This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest philosophers to your fingertips. With more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more, The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Secret Life of Words, English Words and Their Origins. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Here to help us wrap up the week is Bill Crystal, and what a week it has been, Bill. I hope you didn't have your uh, kids' college funds saved in Hillary stock, because, man, talk about a tanking week. You know, I think so. I, I, I really now think I just looked up in July, at the end of July of 2007, the last cycle where there was an open-seat presidential race. The two frontrunners were Hillary Clinton and Rudy Giuliani. Obviously, now the two front runners are Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Clinton and Giuliani were not the nominees in 2008. I really think I think Trump will not be the nominee in 2016. That's not a controversial statement, really. But I now wonder if I really think it's the odds are getting closer to 50-50 than they had been before that Hillary Clinton uh, may not be the Democratic nominee in 2016. Well, let's talk about why. One reason is the pure raw poll numbers, and you saw her head-to-head matchups in swing states like Iowa, Virginia, Colorado. You also saw her overall overall numbers lack of honesty, lack of trustworthiness. Do you think that's where the problem is? Well, those are striking. You know, everyone's been saying for a month that Donald Trump is damaging the Republicans, and then you look at the actual matchups of Hillary Clinton against Bush, Walker, and Rubio. I think he did all three of them, so probably the three most likely nominees, I guess you'd have to say. Uh, and in all of them, uh, Hillary Clinton trails by several points in all three of these swing states, all three states that Barack Obama carried twice. Now, one poll doesn't prove anything, and it's a long way away, et cetera, et cetera. But it is sort of striking that for all the focus on Trump and Republican honks about Trump uh, and Republican failures in Capitol Hill and all those things are legitimate topics, it seems to me that the actual underlying story of the summer so far has been the utter failure of the Hillary Clinton campaign to take off, to convince anyone who wasn't already for Hillary Clinton to be for Hillary Clinton, and gradually perhaps to be losing voters who thought they might be for Hillary Clinton. But, you know, you think about campaigns, and you and I both worked in them, where you think, okay, we're going to, don't worry about now, because we got the whatever, the relaunch out on, you know, uh, Roosevelt Island. We got the re-relaunch. We got the, uh, this issue, this is going to help, that issue is going to help. And when you look at Hillary's future, what you've got are things like now, bureaucrats inside the Obama administration saying we need the Department of Justice to investigate the handling of her emails. That's what she's got to look forward to. Right. It's hard to see what good news she has coming. There'll be a debate on an Iran deal, which she supports, but which is not going to be uh, a good deal, which some Democrats in Congress may turn against and where she'll be sort of awkwardly for it while trying to signal that she's a little tougher. I'm not sure that having been a big part of the Obama administration will be a big help uh, to her at that point. So, um, yeah, no, I, I think she has some downward uh, possibilities in the polls, including among Democrats. And then the question is, who can who can take her on and really who could beat her? And I don't know that anyone in the field right now could beat her. And that does raise the question of, does anyone big get in against her? And I guess there really 
is a big three, it seems to me. And I kind of think one of them is going to run. And the big three are the vice president, Joe Biden, the secretary of state, John Kerry, who was, of course, the nominee in 04 and lost a pretty close race to, to Bush, uh, and Elizabeth Warren. I mean, you've got to think that one of those people is going to look up and say, really, I'm just going to, you know, Kerry and Biden who wanted to be president since they were, God knows, 10 years old and who run for president before, um, look up and think, really, I'm just going to step aside for Hillary Clinton. And then Elizabeth Warren, who obviously is much closer to the heart and soul of the Democratic Party today and who doesn't have all the Obama administration baggage that the others would all have, uh, you've got to think she'll take another look. So I think the Democratic race, you'd still have to bet on Hillary, I suppose, right now, but I think the odds are decent that that gets to be a very interesting race by the end of the year. All I can say is if Joe Biden is a solution, you've, you're dealing with the wrong problem. I'll leave it at that. But I want to get back to Hillary and how she can she turn this around because not only did she have bad poll numbers and she had the, uh, the announcement that, there, you know, that there's a call for an investigation of, of the indefensible, but you also saw Hillary on the stump and she made a couple of comments. One was just politically just dumb. You know, what we white people need to admit that when we see a black kid in a hoodie, we feel afraid. That's, just, I mean, for a woman who needs the black vote, that's bad. But then, Bill, I, I literally laughed out loud when I saw on the uh, Weekly Standard blog page the video of her saying, I'm not asking you to vote for me because I'm a woman. Vote on the merits. And what are my merits? I'm a woman. I just, I. You said that in public in front of people on purpose. She is a horrible, horrible political candidate. Well, they're, but they're betting a lot on the fact that she's a woman, and they're not even, you know, it's not a matter of hinting or letting people notice it, which, of course, they won't letting third parties say it's time for a woman. She's just going to flat out run on that. And maybe our country is in a position in a state, maybe the Democratic Party at least is in a state where that appeal just flat out get some votes, uh, you know, pure identity politics, but um, I, I'm a little doubtful, too. Uh, well, I've never just, I, I didn't realize it was a merit. It was an accomplishment. <laughs> I, I, by the way, I want to brag a little bit. I managed to be born a man, and I'm very grateful for that because that means that I can parallel park my own car. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, on the Republican side, my Democratic friends, Bill, tell me they don't care what you can bash Hillary all you want, that she can get caught red-handed stealing emails from the State Department. Donald Trump is going to bring the GOP down. The clown show has destroyed the Republicans yet again, and it's only 2015. Are they right? No, I really don't think so. I'm not sure it even destroyed the Republicans last time. I mean, Romney ran a bad campaign and lost. I, I don't know that the silliness of some of the debates mattered that much. And to the degree it did, it was it was often self-inflicted wounds by Romney, self-deport. The famous line about the uh, about Hispanics was in response to Perry and Gingrich being more moderate, actually, in terms of their immigration policy. The 47% line, which was the single most damaging line of the campaign, was Romney speaking to his own donors. So I don't really quite buy the argument that it hurt that much. But to the degree it did, it's because voters looked up. They'd never heard of Michelle Bachman before. They'd never heard of Herman Cain. They saw these two at different times, front runners in the race, and they thought, really? I mean, that's kind of what the Republican Party's all about. These two people who seem a little wacky, um, that could hurt you. No one thinks Donald Trump is a you know, is a, a typical Republican or that he embodies somehow what a Republican congressman is like. He is sui generis. He's a celebrity. He's had a run. I was sympathetic to him for a while because he, he was raising some useful issues. Now I'm somewhat less sympathetic to him, because, especially because of the attack on veterans and those who served in the military. Uh, really an attack on, attack on McCain, but I think really in a disparagement of, of their service more broadly, and also the general sort of degree to which he's just embraced his, his uh, clownishness, if I can use that term. But 
But I don't think it's going to hurt the Republicans much. And I think, I think we've seen peak Trump. I really do believe that. And now that the entire media is obsessed with them, they're usually a pretty good contrarian indicator. He'll probably start to fade gradually. I don't think he'll stay until Iowa. Again, all these other people stayed in until Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, they were in lots of debates. I do not believe Donald Trump's going, his ego will not let him go to the ballot in Iowa and New Hampshire and lose, which I think he would do. So I think we'll have a more normal race in, in a month or two. This first debate could be kind of a, a zoo with Trump, but, but maybe it'll allow someone else to emerge. And I think at that point, uh, Rubio, Walker, Bush, who are the kind of three consensus, you know, most likely to be nominated right now, all have a chance to prove their stuff, and they've all actually not done badly over the last month or two. They're all much better candidates than Hillary Clinton, that's for sure. They all have things to prove, I think, and things to... Uh, improve on. The one guy I think now who really could pick up some of the Trump support, though, and who's had a very good week, is Ted Cruz. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because uh, I was thinking peak Trump as well when I saw his really stumbling, bumbling appearance at the border. He backtracked on his own, you know, do we need a wall? Well, maybe in some places he actually was, you know, praising the idea of, of borderline amnesty. You, can, you, can, you couldn't even follow the alleged arguments. And, of course, that's Trump. He's not really making arguments. He's just trying to get sound bites, you know, to, to get attention. And so I thought, yeah, peak Trump. And then I saw the Republican leadership revitalize the the animating force behind Trump supporters which is making them hit, hate the Republican leadership and bringing back the XM bank from the dead this big poster child for crony capitalism and insider Washington at its worst what was the leadership thinking Bill this is exactly why Donald Trump exists because people are mad about stuff like that yeah, and it's so confusing what Mitch McConnell did on the Senate floor that it's hard to even understand all the, the sort of parliamentary hoops he, he managed to get through to save this bank, which most conservatives were very happy to see go away. I, I dare say most Republicans uh, were happy to see go away. He's saved it, and it will now be saved by a few Republicans and by mostly Democratic votes. And this is all to be added to a highway bill, which is itself problematic in all kinds of ways, a bipartisan uh, highway bill. The highway bills are notorious for being full of uh, pork and, 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 and other such things. So, no, I do think the Republican leadership in Congress, uh, they've done a decent job opposing the Iran deal, but otherwise, even there, though, they signed on to the Corker bill, which isn't, which made it too easy for Obama to win. No, I would say, incidentally, on that, I think there is a chance he'll, he'll lose, which is such a bad deal. But in any case, I agree, there's a market for someone who's not Trump and who's anti-Republican leadership. I think Ted Cruz saw that this week, and, and just see that, that's kind of who he is anyway. Uh, was effective on the Senate floor attacking McConnell, a pretty tough attack. But I, I think people will think, okay, you know what, he, he had got to go on the floor and say that it's not going to make his life easier in the Senate. That's for sure. I was talking with someone in Cruz's office just an hour or two ago. And he said they expect the air conditioning to be shut off suddenly. <laughs> Mysteriously, the lights will dim in the office. You know, locks will be changed in the, to the bathroom down the hall and stuff. So um, we'll see how that works out. And also, I thought this little thing, we posted this on the website of of Cruz um, inviting up the woman who runs Code Pink, Medea, I think is that her name, Benjamin right. or something? Right, Medea Benjamin. Kind of a crazy, you know, anti-war activist. But, you know, it shows up everywhere. And, and he had the courage, I guess, and also the kind of wit to invite her up, let her say her piece. What other politician would do that? And then debated her very effectively, I thought, and, and made his case and didn't get it all rattled. Not too many other senators, governors, politicians could sort of pull that off. Doesn't mean that Ted Cruz should be the nominee. Doesn't mean he doesn't have a lot of other problems. And, and he has to would have to improve, too, I think, in some of his likability uh, skills, if that's the right term. But 
I don't know, I really was reminded this week that one shouldn't count Cruz out. Well, and also you wonder why the Donald Trump supporters aren't backing Ted Cruz, or at least a significant number of them, because Cruz's message is on point about the Republican leadership. You know, no one's going to call Cruz a squish. And then I re- remember the Trump supporters aren't actual conservatives in the ideological right. sense. They're conservative in a kind of contrarian, angry, this country is going to hell in a handbasket kind of sense. But I, I, I want to mock them, Bill. I want to mock the people backing Trump, who's this pro-Clinton, pro-government, you know, pro-abortion guy. But then you see the leadership really almost seeming to I'm not going to say they went out of their way to uh, inflame the base, but they clearly don't have any interest in appeasing the base. Yeah, and not just the base, but as you say, some of the Trump supporters are probably independents, even some Democrats, parole voters from the past. Um, So it's not uh, the leadership is antagonizing them as well as actual conservatives. Yeah, Trump is a different kind. I mean, Trump is, is a populist. Cruz is more of an ideological conservative. Cruz could probably use a touch of populism a la Trump without going overboard, um, but sort of making his case a little less a uh, little less as an ideological conservative, a little more as a kind of middle American spokesman. I think if you look at Nixon, especially Reagan, Reagan was Reagan really was an ideological conservative, obviously a movement figure for, for two decades or more. But nonetheless, he, he sort of uh, he didn't submerge that, but he, he let that take a little bit of a back seat in the 80 campaign. If you look at his speeches in 79, 80, a little more of a sort of speaking for the common sense of middle America. I think Cruz needs to do that a little more. I think he sort of understands that. We'll see if he can make the transition. He's got, you know, he's got some baggage, obviously, from the, the way in which he ascended over the last couple of years. Um, so I think we're looking at a very interesting Republican race. No, once Trump fades a bit, there really is no front runner. And again, let's not let's also remember what is Trump's strength prove it proves what McCain, what uh, Herman Cain and and uh, Michelle Bachman's and others strength proves in 2011, 2012, which is the ostensible establishment front runner is weak. That is, the primary voters are not rallying to him, and that was Romney at the time, who did make it to the nomination, obviously. And it's Jeb Bush today. I mean, again, the big picture here, if you have a real front runner, a George W. Bush, uh, an Al Gore, the kind of classic, you know, establishment candidates who, who win, they do not usually get overtaken the year before by this kind of uh, craze or, you know, uh, kind of uh, fad candidate, you know, that, that's itself a sign of weakness on the part of the establishment candidate. So I think Jeb is beatable. He could end up being the nominee, but I think Bush is beatable. Uh, and I think I, I'm personally sort of marking Cruz up a little bit uh, to come to join Walker and Rubio, perhaps, and those most likely to beat him. Uh, we can't finish up talking about this week without talking about the Iran deal and the uh, revelations we've had about side deals with the IEA, you know, not knowing who's going to handle the actual samples that are going to be used to test uh, the fact that the Iranians are gloating and taking victory laps over this deal that they've gotten. Uh, I just don't see you know, six, 34 Democrats abandoning President Obama in the modern era of borderline parliamentary party loyalty, Bill. I just don't see how that happens. We need about 14, 15, 14 or 15 to get to 67 since you have all the, all the Republicans. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. One. Yeah, no, it's hard. It's hard. I think... I was in New York last night. There's a lot of talk about Chuck Schumer. What's he going to do? And if he he may go against it, but would he then bring others with him? Uh, I don't know. It's such a bad deal, though. And as people pull on the different threads of it and discover, gee, it's even kind of worse than I thought. Uh, I do think if there's an outside chance, I do think in particular the money, the huge amount of money going to Iran in six months, 
It really means that if there's a, you know, if Hezbollah launches rockets into Israel in next summer, or if there's, God forbid, terror attacks with, with Iranian complicity anywhere around the world, and they usually are, you know, somewhere, um, people can look up and say, geez, I mean, why don't we just give these people $130 billion? There? It's got to be helping them finance these terrible activities. Say nothing of cheating on the nuclear program, which is quite possible. And if you're a Democrat in Congress, you're voting for that. You're sort of owning the Iranian uh, not just nuclear program, but Iranian foreign policy, that you're giving it such an injection of cash for the next year, two years, five years. It's a very bad, I mean, a lot of them genuinely think it's a bad deal, and I think genuinely think it's not good for the country. And when you get to the politics of it, I wonder how many of them think, you know what, I mean, it's embarrassing, I guess, for Obama if he loses, but really for a Democratic Party going forward, probably better if this thing just goes away and then Hillary Clinton or whoever the Democratic nominee is can just run on sort of, well, I'm going to be tough on Iran, but I'm also going to be diplomatic. You know, they can just have a kind of clean slate on which to lay out an Iran policy that would be, you know, not not, not that much less credible than whatever the Republicans' Iran policy is, presumably. So I actually think the dynamics of this are going against the deal, but it's still uphill, obviously. Did the, uh, the administration help themselves at the hearings in front of the Senate this week? Uh, a lot of people, a lot of you know, the media press was that all you saw was, you know, grandstanding by Republican presidential contenders. Is that the beginning and end of that story? Yeah, no, I, I don't think the administration helped themselves. They didn't have a disaster on Thursday when Kerry and the others testified. But, um, but I'd, I'd say if you step back and say a week in, where is it? A little over a week, I guess. What is it? Nine days, maybe. And the, how does the administration stand? They should be. They should be stronger. They should be stronger in the polls. The Washington Post poll has them up a little. The deal slightly favor, somewhat favorable. The Pew poll, very respected non-conservative poll, has the the deal unfavorable. I can't remember a president ever signing a deal. He's standing up, speaking to the country. This will make the world safer. This will stop a nuclear program from moving ahead. Usually the president wins the first day, the first week. The country sort of defers to the president. Then sometimes later on, there's an erosion as people learn more. The erosion here is already happening from day one. The president didn't get much momentum. The White House is clearly a little desperate if you look at what they're doing. Um, They're not getting people to come forward from the other party, former administration officials, to sign on the way that I think they had hoped to. So I, I think it's, um, you know, I would have said probably two months ago it's a one in ten chance to defeat it in Congress. Now I think maybe it's one in four. Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, Hillary, like you said, Hillary Clinton is going to definitely be part of this and the way she campaigns will affect it. And look at what she've already, she's already accomplished, Bill. She managed to be born a woman. So once you've accomplished that, I think it's, it's all down to you. It's something that neither you nor I has accomplished. So. Very good point. And on that note, we'll wrap up this podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.